Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Okay, so now we are going to ask Rob to come on up. Genuinely this time, you can... (laughs) Rob's got an amazing word for us this morning and we're going to, in a socially distanced way, pray for him. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, Lord, thank you for the word that you've given Rob this morning. Holy Spirit, I just ask that it would... um, Lord, that you'd breathe on it now and as it was uh, received by us as a congregation and online, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would flow and move powerfully, Lord. Mm. So, Lord, give this this truth deep into our hearts and into our own spirits now. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Father, for the word that you've prepared in advance. And for our hearts, Lord, I ask that you would soften them now to hear the truth of your word and to receive the will of your kingdom. Amen. Thank you. I just want us to stay in this place. Can I invite you to stand with me? I would just love to ask the Spirit just to come. And we're going to wait on Him for a few moments. Is that all right? Lord, I thank you for your presence here in this room today. That it's very real, very tangible. That Jesus, you are with us. Just as you were with those disciples when you walked into the room. Lord, we see your wounds and your hands and your feet. We know that you're here. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. Thank you, Lord. Spirit, you precede your word. The word goes out. And so we ask that you would go out into our hearts, go out into our bodies today. wherever you are just to be let's just take a moment just to receive him you may sense just a a kind of presence almost on your shoulders just on the top of your head i just really sense the spirit just moving in this place this morning we say yes to you lord sometimes we feel him sometimes we don't doesn't really matter What matters is that we are open to him. So we open ourselves to you this morning, Lord. Let's just wait. Let's see what he wants to do. Thank you, Lord. Just increase your power. Increase your presence. Thank you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you. I just got a sense that the Lord was wanting to release some anxiety today. It's a fear of the unknown, I think, particularly. And he's just wanting to say, you know what? You can't see me, but I'm here. You've got to step out on me. So for some of you today, it's that there is a fear of the unknown. I just, um, maybe it's right before you at the moment. 
I just want, I think he wants to, us to give that to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're trustworthy. Hmm. Amen. All right, well, feel free to take a seat. But as I'm speaking this morning, I, I really wanted to, um, to hold that space, you know, of, of the Spirit moving in us as, as we look at His Word. <clears throat> because it's not like we go from worship and we turn off our hearts and we turn our heads on. <clears throat> I had a glass of water somewhere. It's gone. It's hiding. Oh, thank you, Kimmy. That's fantastic. I knew I was prepared. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to... This is confession time. I, um, I just felt this morning as I was... Actually, through this week as I was preparing this talk, actually, I felt the Lord um, give me a real peace about the fact that it kind of is half done. And um, every time I kind of came back to try and finish... Not finish it, but flesh it out so that I could kind of go, yeah, full sorted. I felt him go, no, leave it, <laughs> leave it. So there's a fair amount of, I don't know, this morning, let's see what happens. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, you know, God gives us a piece for that. and that, So I'm just trying to be obedient to that and, um, and follow that. And see, let's see what happens. Are you up for that with me? Is that okay? Um, uh just to say, Matt McKenzie, if you're watching, I've got your Bible. Um, but thank you, I'm going to use it this morning. Um, you know, one of the things, you, just as a reminder, if you uh, were with us last week, we, we did a kind of slight detour um, for Mother's Day, and, uh, and that was fun, and that was really, really good to do. But the week before, Bonnie kicked off a series that we're looking at over the next little while called the I Am series. And... Um, you know, one, one of the things as a vineyard church in particular um, that we are very focused on is Jesus. Now, you might go, well, I'm sure you do. What does that even mean? Isn't every church focused on Jesus? Like, I mean, that's just like the, the Sunday school answer. It's Jesus, right? But actually, as I was reflecting on this, one of the things I think is <clears throat> that I've Ever since I was about 18 and I first started going to a vineyard church, I've realized or, or seen is that there is actually um, a, a wonderful focus that we have on what is our story. Our story is about Jesus and what he's done in our lives. You know, when I, when I talk to people about my story, I say to them, this is what Jesus has done for me. That's, that's my story. And if you ask me what's our message, I would say, well, let me come and introduce you to Jesus. Because actually, that's where it starts. Um, a couple of years ago, a young man came for prayer at the end of the service, who I didn't really know very well, but I knew that he wasn't someone who went to church and probably didn't have a faith. But he came for some prayer because he just thought that would be nice, which is wonderful. I wish that happened more often. And... Um, and I said to him, you know, I thought to myself, okay, like, I should probably explain the gospel to him. I should kind of like do all these steps. But I just felt like, you know what, just like the people in the gospels, 
He needs to meet Jesus. So I said to him, would you just like to come and say hi? Would you like to meet Jesus? Because I think he wants to just come and shake your hand and say g'day and like get to know you. And, it's, and that's a big part of who we are as a, as a vineyard church is we look at the gospels, we look at the stories of Jesus and we say, you know, actually the, Jesus was a person who came to get to know people. And, and as he got to know them, as we're going to look at today, he then lay his life down for them, but he got to know them. And so a big part of our message is come and meet this man who told me everything I've ever done, you know? Like, come and meet Jesus. He's our teacher. We pursue a lifelong discipleship journey with Jesus. That's what we're about. That's what it means for us to be Christians, is that we pursue him. And he is our model. We want to do the things that he did. So we don't just come to the cross and deal with the sin and then get on with our lives. Jesus is our way in, our way through, and our way on. He is everything to us. And, you know, we felt like as we push into this new season for us as a church in so many different ways, there was a wonderful and important opportunity for us to just reset. You know what? What's this all about? Well, this is about Jesus, unashamedly, unequivocally about Jesus and so we, we felt like we should look at um, some of these statements in John's gospel in particular about who Jesus said he was and reflect on those things and allow our focus again to be on him. <clears throat> because, um, you know, and as we look through these statements, one of the things that you'll hear us talking about is what did those things mean to the people of the time? Because as we look at, and we're going to look at John 10 today, you may want to grab that open in your Bibles in a moment, we'll look at that. But as we look at these um, passages, we look at these different statements like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I am the light of the world. And today I am the good shepherd. As we look at those statements, we remember that the people listening to them had a common story. You know, one of the things I'm quite conscious of because I've emigrated and lived in, um, in the UK and I've spent about a year or so in total living in, in South Africa as we visited there and have now lived here for 14 years is that when you move out into a, a place and a culture, the people in that culture, they actually have a common story. Now, it's not often very obvious to those people until they're talking to you about something that they all shared watching TV when they were younger, as they were growing up. Or that moment, like in South Africa, for the people in South Africa, that moment when, in 1995, was it, when they hit the World Cup, they the World Cup rugby and they got it over, and all the South Africans were like, yeah, that's part of our story. And you can get to know people and feel like you're part of them, but then you weren't part of that story. You can understand their culture and even understand their story, but if you're not a part of it, it's hard to feel like you belong. And that is often what gives rise to this, you're not a local, you haven't really lived here for long. You know, How many generations does it take before you feel like you actually are part of this? And although that can be frustrating for someone like me who's moved into different communities and cultures, it's true. 
The common story makes us be a part of something. And for the Jewish people who are listening to Jesus, there is a common story. And it's really, it's really key that we get that. Because as we pick up this and we look through the Old Testament, we read about those stories and I don't want to say it in a kind of fairy tale way, because you know these happened. So it's part of their real story of their people. You know, the, whether it be the, the exodus out of, out of Egypt, you know, across the Red Sea, following the pillar of fire and cloud, whether it be the bread in the desert, the manna, or, you know, God actually just sending Moses as a rescuer, or whether it be the promises of the prophets of, you know, returning from exile, um, of God being with them again, of a Messiah King coming. All of those elements are part of the common story of the disciples, of the Jewish people that were listening to Jesus. And they define how they hear the things that Jesus says. You know, we all have, don't we, a kind of worldview, a kind of filter that we, that we sometimes are aware of and sometimes we're not. But it shifts the way that we hear things. And it's really important that we go, well, what's the filter that, that the people listening to Jesus, as we look through these own statements, what's the filter that they're listening through? And how do we get into their minds? And even then to ask, what's the filter I'm listening through? <clears throat> So before we look at this passage in John 10, I want us to just, I want to read a passage in Ezekiel 34. <clears throat> because as Jesus begins to talk about a shepherd and a good shepherd, there is a filter, there is a promise from the prophets that is going on in the back of people's minds. Um, and it's important that we, as we come to this passage today, we're a bit more familiar with it. Okay, so, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not sure why I'm croaky. Um, so if you open up quickly, if you keep a finger, if you like, on John 10, you can't do that on a phone, can you? A finger here and a finger here. A finger in John 10, and go with me to Ezekiel 34, and I'm going to read from verse 1, and I'm going to skip down through a few different passages. Because as, <clears throat> and I should say, at the beginning of John 10... We, we're hearing that Jesus is looking and speaking to the Pharisees, but so that everyone else around him can hear. Okay, So he's addressing the Pharisees. I want you to keep that in mind as we read Ezekiel 34. So from verse 1, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. I'm going to jump down to verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. 
I will remove them from tending the flocks so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so I will look after my sheep. And lastly, verse 15. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Listen to this, guys. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And verse 24. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I just I love that. And did you notice how similar some of those words are to that promise that we looked at in Isaiah 61 a while back? You know, bind up the lost, bind up the injured, strengthen the weak. There is a heart of God for his people. And as Jesus stands up and says this statement, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I'm not that kind of shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And he's looking at the Pharisees who were the shepherds that God was talking to. The rulers of Israel. The people who were supposed to represent God to the people. And he's saying, no, I'm the good shepherd. It's a, this statement here, it's a direct affront to the Pharisees. If we, if we look here at John 10, and I want to read from verse 11. <clears throat> Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, that's you Pharisees, is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. You know, sometimes we feel a bit uncomfortable with Jesus because he is quite confrontational. And, uh, and almost chooses to pick a fight with the Pharisees. Thanks guys, that's great. He almost chooses to pick a fight because he, he is wanting to push, push against them and to say, you know, you haven't done what God has called you to do. And there is a sense of judgment that comes when Jesus walks the earth against the religious leaders. And I'm, as I read that, I go, oh, okay, Lord, you expect a lot from those of us who would call ourselves leaders who stand up to represent Jesus in this world. He expects that we will represent God's heart. And that's a challenge for all of us. And they get really mad at him. At the end of this passage, they start saying, well, he's demon-possessed. Which seems like a strange thing to say, actually. Because some of the things that Jesus says, it's not, it's not like he's kind of foaming at the mouth and screaming at them. Or maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe there's a, there's a ferocity in the way that he's speaking to them. But 
Clearly there's stuff that he says here that they just go, you are mad. This is crazy. But more than that, I think it hit a nerve in them. It hit a nerve. So it's a direct attack on the Pharisees. But at the same time, as he says these words, the people around are saying, well, if that's not what God's like, then what is God like? And one of Jesus' core message to the common man, the common woman, who is listening in to this rather kind of tense conversation, is God's not what you thought he was like. He is so much more compassionate. He is so much kinder than you thought. In a moment, I want to, we're going to watch a short clip from the Chosen series. Um, but I want you just to kind of be thinking about what is it that people are hearing that God is like as we look at Jesus. All right, shall we watch this together? It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you cannot, this disease, you Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Uh, uh. 
Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's great. If we could just have the lights back up as well, that would be awesome. Thank you. <clears throat> I want everyone in this world to meet that Jesus. Don't you? Yeah? To hear that God is like that. To hear that God is, it treats us with respect and dignity. That part of him coming and healing our brokenness is to say, you are worth so much to me. I love you. Green is your color. I love that. <laughs> right? Like that, just there's something about the way that Jesus brought us God's heart. That sometimes we can find to scriptures, but actually out there in the world, there is a world that is desperate to know what God is like. Even if they don't know, that's the question they're asking. And we have a revelation of him. That we are called to share with our world. And his name is Jesus. I want to read the next um, part. But before I do, one of the things I'm conscious of is that we are... What, what happens is that we judge God based on the way that people in the, who call themselves Christians tend to treat us. And for us... To reflect Jesus, we have to deal with the hurt that we ourselves receive. Because otherwise our view of God gets all skewed. And if you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably been hurt by somebody in church and probably by somebody who's standing up on a stage. Because unfortunately we aren't quite like Jesus, although we're trying to be and we're learning to be. And we hurt each other. And I just want to acknowledge that this morning and just give a moment just to kind of ask the Lord to come and bring some healing in that. Because we have to get this picture of God in our hearts and our minds clear and focused if we are going to share him in the world. So I'm not going to embarrass you, but if, if that's you this morning, I just want to take a moment just to ask the Lord to come and, and start or, or, or move us on in that healing. Because you may have already had some healing around this. But <clears throat> if, you have, if you are carrying a wound, pain that is around, um, maybe even bitterness, it is around the way that churches have treat, treated you in the past or church leaders have treated you in the past, I just want to take a moment just for us to bring that before Jesus. So let's just close our eyes wherever we are. Lord, we want to know 
just how incredibly compassionate and kind you are. But there's stuff that gets in the way. And Lord, sometimes we're right to be grieved. We're justified in our pain. But Lord, you ask us to lay it down and to bring it to your feet. So where there is pain, where there is hurt, where there is grievance, Lord, help us to let go of it. Help us. Lord, bring it to your cross. And that you would show us again what it means that God is good. That he's for us. That he loves us. Thank you, Lord. And for those particularly, Lord, who yeah, just need to start that journey of healing today. We just ask for your grace. Come and bring your healing. In our hearts, Lord, in our minds. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's pick up the scripture again and let's read a little bit more. I'm just going to look at one more thing and then come into land. Um, So I just want to read from verse 14. So John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And this command I received from my father. So what's Jesus talking about here? He's, he keeps mentioning this, laying down his life and taking it back up again. And, you know, for many of us, we're, we're familiar with, well, why did Jesus die? And we talk about how Jesus, and this is, this is a wonderful news, how Jesus died and laid down his life that our sins can be washed clean. That we can have a restored relationship with the Father. You guys have heard that. You know that. And we, as Christians, I'm, I'm sure you know that. And if you haven't heard that today, this is good, good news. It means our guilt and our shame can be dealt with. And, uh, and we would love to chat with you a bit more after the service if that's news to you. But one of the things that Jesus talks about here is how well he knows his sheep. And sometimes we kind of split those two things. God knows us. He died for us. But actually, Jesus brings them together. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Even as I know my father, it's that deeply that he knows us. And he lays down his life for his sheep. And one of the things I think is fascinating is it's out of that place of relationship that Jesus dies for us. Sometimes when we hear that gospel news about Jesus laying down his life, we think that perhaps God really just needs to wash us up 
and clean us up before he can then have relationship with us. And in a sense, that's true. But Jesus comes and we see him step into this world and start to embrace, to form deep connections and relationships with broken, messy, dirty people. And he just blows their preconceptions out of the water. And I, and I, in some ways, we need that in our heads too, this preconception that actually God really can't get anywhere near us because of our sin. Jesus just blows that out of the water. God incarnate steps onto the earth and gets in amongst us. All our sin and all our shame and all of our broken promises and all the mess and you've got to remember the, the sickness is, an, is, in the Jewish mindset, is an outworking of that brokenness. It's a result of a sin. So sometimes we kind of go, well, Jesus kind of wasn't too close to the sin. He just got close to the sickness. They're, they're entwined. And there is Jesus sitting in the middle. Now, out of that place, he, lies, he lays his life down for us. And he restores relationship. But first he comes close to us. And this is one of the things I want us to, to take away for ourselves and for folk in the world. As we step out this morning into the week. Is that God's presence goes everywhere. It's not just here in a church. It's definitely not in the front two rows. All right? If it was, guys, you're missing out because there's too many gaps on the front roads. But it's not there. It's everywhere. And it's not more powerful here to bring freedom and salvation. In fact, you only need to go to the darkest corners of this world and you will find the presence of God there bringing healing and salvation. We believe that, don't we? All right? So, when we come and we uh, bring Jesus into this world, we bring a message of Jesus' death and resurrection. But we come first and we embrace and we love and we speak the same language and we engage in the story. And then we trust in the gospel to bring salvation and redemption. So as I come into land this morning, I just, I want to be reminding us lastly that we are called to be these kinds of shepherds. He is the good shepherd and so are you. That's your calling. Not to be the kind of shepherds that the Pharisees were, or the leaders of Israel were. Not to devour people. Not to ignore them. Not to rule them harshly, not that we rule people. But you know what I mean? Like we can treat people like they're dumb sheep. And the fact is that we are called to care and take care of people. And to gather them in, into the kingdom. And so that's our calling. To bind up the broken, to heal the sick, and to rescue the lost. That's our calling. 
So as I finish, why don't you stand and pray with me? We'll ask God to come and empower us to do that, and then we'll finish up. All right? Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. But Lord, we know that you call us to also shepherd your people. You talked and you said that there were people who hadn't yet come in. And so we think of those, Lord, this morning. We think of the lost, those who haven't yet come in, who you have to bring in. We ask that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to go and to share the good news of Jesus. That you would give us hearts that break for people that are filled with love and compassion and that bring dignity in their lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We cannot do this without you. So we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.